Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clean. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to episode 228 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we're going to check in on both of the conference finals series. We're also going to get more hot takes about the draft lottery and the draft combine that went on this weekend, and we'll hit on some quick hitters around the league. Before we get to all that, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. Uh, yeah, so I haven't been fired. I was just off working really, really hard. So yeah, I, I had a couple of people asking me. Yeah, well, congrats on surviving this week. Sounded Thank you. Sounded busy. Sounded um, busy. That's that's what you do when you launch a new phone. Yeah, who knew? Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll get your draft lottery takes in a little bit because we have not uh, we have not talked at least on the podcast since the lottery. But first, let's start with the conference finals. We'll start with the West because we're we're recording this on Saturday, so game three is tonight. Um, it, the Warriors are up 2-0. The first game, the first game was. It, it was a blowout the whole time, but the Blazers kept themselves like sort of within striking distance. And then every time they really started to get within a margin where the Warriors would get nervous, Steph or Clay just hit a three and blew it back up to 15. So I'm going to refer to that as a blowout. Game two, Blazers come out really hot, take a 15-point lead at halftime. Then the Warriors, their typical third-quarter surge happens, and then it, the Blazers just couldn't keep it going at the end. They had an eight-point lead with four minutes left, and the Warriors just blitzed him at the end of the game. Um, the Warriors have announced that Kevin Durant is out for games three and four. He will be reevaluated, I believe, right around game five. But at this point, it almost seems like we should not expect Kevin Durant to be back in this series, especially, I mean, maybe if the Blazers win these next two, then they rush him back a little more quickly. But this feels like... He's probably not going to play against the finals. Do you think the Blazers blew their best chance more to get to turn this into a series by losing game two? Do you think this is, you know, when we had Warriors Rockets last round, the Warriors were also up 2-0 heading to Houston, and we thought the series was over, and then it turned into an actual competitive six-game series. Do you see something similar happening here, or is it just like the Blazers had one chance, Kevin Durant was out, they were up 15 we were up eight with four minutes left and couldn't get it done. And now it's, this is gentleman sweep time. Yeah. I mean, I'm leaning towards that second part. 
I'll, I'll say I hope we can have both in, in that sense that what this was their best chance at at least evening this series, but I do hope that they'll come back and maybe take you know a game and then another game later on so we have a six gamer. I don't anticipate it going that route. Yeah, this this could be a sweep. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, I I was really looking forward to to you know seeing this series because I've I've really been loving how Portland's played all year long, but I can't escape this feeling that I I think most would agree with me in saying that Denver would probably have represented the better matchup against Golden State yeah. as opposed to Portland. So. You know, you, you you took the whole win against Denver in round two, and it was very exciting, and this was very necessary for Portland as a franchise. Now you're getting clapped by a team that you just match up Portland with. Yeah. I don't even know. I feel like the Warriors were just going to gentlemen sweep either way. Like, maybe Denver is a little bit more competitive, but I think personnel-wise, both of these teams have similar strengths and weaknesses in that they both have really strong backcourts, Denver and Portland, I mean. Uh, they have good scoring centers. Jokic is obviously a much more well-rounded player than Cantor, but you know their their forward depth is the weak spot of their game. So with Kevin Durant out, that would be less of an issue. But still, you're relying on your high-scoring back backcourt to outscore Steph and Clay, which is just never going to happen. But they um, have depth. Yeah, they, they do have depth, and I want to get to the this whole. There's been this theory kind of floating around and i think anthony Irwin the other week called it like the hipster twitter theory but then even seth curry said it the other night um of the idea that the warriors are better without kevin durant and not that they have more talent because obviously they don't but the ball moves more i think i saw a stat that in game one they only had three isolations which was the fewest they've ever had in a playoff game under steve kerr something like that um Steph and Clay are just running around more screens. There's more motion in general. Do you buy into this notion that the Warriors are harder to defend with Kevin Durant not on the floor? To answer that question, we need to go back back to, I think it was fourth grade for me. Okay. Because we had a pretty sweet football setup, and I'm talking about regular football here. Mm-hmm. So during like you know the the off hours we were playing football with with some of the other classes and one day we had we got a, a new student in our class who was really really good at football and of course we saw that as a huge asset and he was there for a couple of years and we just struggled the hell out of it even though mm-hmm. we got significantly better because our chemistry was just way off here was one dude dominating the ball now you can't apply that necessarily to KD but you, what you can apply to it is you have this cohesive unit that is Steph, Clay, and Dre that won previously. Now you add a you know superior talent to that group, which on paper is fine. And look, they won two championships, and so obviously it worked. And so, so yeah, the, the talent level got, was significantly higher than before, but the chemistry has been altered. Not necessarily in a bad way. Again, two titles, you know, two-time defending champions right here. So you can't argue against the results. Right. But the chemistry is probably just a little bit altered. So when he's not present, this group, you know, the OG group, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, yeah. can go back to playing their brand of basketball the way that they started out on the playground, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say they're better necessarily just because they've said it too, having KD, like having that bailout weapon 
is a luxury for them. Right. Are they are they still very good without him? Yes. Are they more fun to? I think you could argue they're definitely more fun to watch without him, just because it's more fun to watch Seth and Clay cook than it is for KD to just beat up on guys who are smaller than him that have no chance and watch him ISO them to death. Like, <laughs> you know, that's that's just kind of ruthless. It's not necessarily the most aesthetically pleasing basketball to watch. It's fun to see Steph and Dre run a pick and roll, two guys guard Steph, Dre dissect a four on three because he's been doing it so masterfully. And I think that's, you know, that's the key if you're Portland you, they haven't figured out how to guard Steph in the pick and roll at all yet. You know, game one, they were playing drop coverage on him, and Cantor just got annihilated off the floor because you can't do that. So game two, they were sending their big higher, but then you're creating these four-on-threes, and you have Draymond, who is an excellent passer and playmaker out of the pick and roll as the roll man. So that didn't work either, and it's, they went to it late in the game repeatedly, much like the Warriors did in... Uh, against the Rockets in Game Six, where they like just there was no answer. There's no, there is no good answer for this problem. But if you're the Blazers heading into Game Three, if you can't solve that problem, you're you're staring at best a five game series. So, more if you're Terry Stotts right now, what would you do? What can you do? <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't have an answer to that. Yeah. The, the, again, I mean Portland. They're kind of thin right now because of injuries, mm-hmm. and they just don't have the the defensive personnel. I think to keep yeah. Steph or Clay or anyone really in check, um, and it's unfortunate. Like you can talk about the drop coverage for Canter, which it's it's in his Canter, so he's taking some steps defensively. Yeah, but when you talk about you know Steph Curry, obviously, you know his weaknesses are going to be magnified. So, what can you really do there? Mm-hmm. Dame isn't an all-world defender. CJ isn't either. Mo Harkless is okay, but you can't ask him to just shadow Steph for 48 minutes. And even so, you know, even if he, you ask him to do that, they'll throw him in switches, like you know, or oh, sorry, throw him in pick and rolls and have him forces to switch. You know, Alpha Rogamino is too large. Like really, I guess the best best the best bet is going with younger brother. Hey, you you know you know Steph. You know what he yeah. did on the playground. Yeah. You know, maybe you know get into his head a little bit. That's that's really the best I have. Yeah. And, well, and Seth was very good on both ends of the floor in game two. Uh, yeah, I think he had four steals in total, and I want to say three of them were on Steph plays. Uh, he also. He had the thing at the end where Steph is going to the free throw line, and I guess he hasn't. Uh, the stat pops up, and he hasn't missed seven uh, a free throw in the fourth quarter or overtime of a playoff game since the 2015 Finals, which is outrageous. <laughs> That's four years. But then Seth goes up to him like he hits the first one. He's like, "Hey, that 70." <laughs> And then Steph's like, yeah, it's about to be 72. And he just nails two of them. <laughs> it's cold, so cold-blooded. And they, he had another comment after the game that was it was just like the big, the ultimate like big brother comment. Like, yeah, he played well and we won, so it was perfect. This is exactly what I wanted, how, it, how I wanted it to go. Um, but to your point, yeah, I don't think there is an optimal answer. Like, it, it's not... Cantor is not the answer. Zach Collins, if he could stay out of foul trouble, maybe, but he had what, like five fouls in nine minutes the other night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it's just, it was atrocious. He's yeah. he's got seven fouls in twenty seven minutes. It seems. <laughs> and they got some great 
minutes out of Myers Leonard in game two, especially in the fourth quarter. He looked like he might be the difference and help them pull that game off. And then, I, I mean, I just think it goes back to Draymond on both ends of the floor. I just think he's been so locked in, especially since KD went down. He was a virtuoso in game two. And, and they the Warriors hit this moment where they're talking about it afterward too. Like they've been through so much together that they have confidence knowing, all right, we're facing an eight-point deficit with four minutes left. We can come back. We're not going to fold. Mm-hmm. We just have to play really good defense and then run our bread and butter on offense. And they did that, and they stole this game. So, yeah, if, if I'm Terry Stotts, I'm almost just like one, two, three Cabo at this point. I just don't know that there's an answer to this Warriors team. I think you gave them your best shot in game two. Maybe you see one of these two at home, but I would, I would be sh- floored if they're going back to Oracle in game five tied 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tied 2-2, two, two, that's not going to happen. That's yeah. not going to happen. You know, I think best case scenario for this series is you know, Portland wins this next one, then it's 2-1, to one. Mm-hmm. then it goes 3-1, 3-2, and then 4-2. That would be like the the best you, you can really realistically hope to get, but even that I don't expect happens. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, any other thoughts on this series before we move to the East? No, just that I wouldn't be surprised to see next year that the Curry brothers shared in uniform. Oh, man. Someone pay Seth Curry. We've been on this for three years now. This is the start of this freaking podcast. Someone pay Seth Curry this summer. Please, God. He deserves at least like give him more than the biannual exception. Like Someone use your taxpayer mid-level on him. That's all we're asking. Like like the Golden State Warriors, yeah. I mean, who knows? That they'll probably get like cousins back on another taxpayer MLE. Knowing them, thing is, they actually need someone because Sean Livingston is going to retire. That's true. And they really haven't had offense off their bench in what feels like three years now. Well, I saw Ethan Sherwood Strauss of the Athletic had a column about uh, Jacob Evans, their first round pick, and they're apparently right. grooming him to be the backup point guard for when Livingston retires, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, I was pretty high on him last year, so yeah. and he just didn't get enough opportunity this year, so right. maybe he'll. Yeah, and I saw that he'll play a lot of point guard in in Vegas this year as mm-hmm. well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Also, cash considerations, Jordan Bell making a big impact off the bench in game two. Yeah, uh, there we go. There we go. That warmed your heart. <laughs> Look, I mean, I, I've been wondering all year. You know I have been wondering yeah. all year why Jordan Bell didn't get more minutes. Yeah. Like, he is extremely skilled. Maybe this is like a disciplinary issue mm-hmm. where he doesn't play within the flow of the offense or defense or whatever. But, like, he is so much better to just have sitting there on the bench rotting away. Yeah. I think there were some off-court things going on with him. Yeah, that wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. 
and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. All right, so let's go to the east, uh, where... Where we also had a guy in with some off-court issues. Maybe we should start with that first. Oh, you mean Tyreek? I mean Tyreek, yeah. Oh, we, well, we can, we'll get to him later. Let's let's talk about actual <laughs> basketball first. <laughs> okay. So, similar scenario. Kind of the inverse happened yes. of the West, where in the West, the Warriors blew the Blazers out in Game 1, and then close game in Game 2. The East, close game in Game 1. The, the Raptors took a 7-point lead in the fourth quarter. Giannis wasn't playing all that well. They, they pull it out because Brooke Lopez turned into Splash Mountain. Game two, just a front-to-finish front blowout the entire time. They were up, I think, 25 at half. Um, Giannis is a monster. There was one play, especially in the fourth quarter, where Kawhi switched on to Giannis, and Giannis just, like, swatted him away like a fly. Like, it was... <laughs> and this is Kawhi Leonard. Like, this is a defensive player of the year, and he, he couldn't do anything. Giannis just barreled right into the paint and did like a little spin move and got an and one. It was, I, I, I can't help but feel the same about both of these series, even though I know objectively this one is closer than Warriors Blazers in terms of talent level. Like the Raptors have a lot of talent. It's just game one, you got probably the best Kyle Lowry game you're going to get in this series, if not the entire playoffs, and you lose that game. So. Much like Game 2 with the Blazers, I can't help but feel more. The Raptors had a chance in Game 1 to steal one, put pressure on the Bucks right away. They didn't, and now it feels like that was their best opportunity to make this a real series. Yes. Here I will agree with that logic immediately. Um, I think this is going to be, at best for the, the Raptors, a gentleman sweep. And <laughs> worst case for Zip. The Bucks are just built properly all the way through there yeah. they have as many good bodies you know in terms of depth as the as the raptors but the quality of milwaukee's depth is just better like there's just no two ways about it it's better defensively better offensively you have ursan de coming off the bench mm-hmm. to just draw like a ton of charges yeah. and you know you you have uh pad Coddinson coming off you know rebounding the ball inserting his 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 scoring prowess not this series yet but he can you have Sterling Brown. You have George Hill. <laughs> Theoretically, if you want to go deeper, you can go with Tony Snell, Tim Frazier, DJ Wilson. Oh, and you have Malcolm Brockton back, by the way, right. as well, who's been He's hot. Been great. Yeah, I mean, this team is just its loaded. And, yeah. you know, I, I know that people are going to be like, oh, let's not have this debate yet. But I'm picking Milwaukee as coming out, not just of these you know, conference finals, but I'm picking them as my, my champs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to look too far ahead. Cause again, this could turn I, into yeah. a real series and who knows what's going to happen with Kevin Durant, but. Oh, even with Durant, I yeah. don't care. Yeah. But without him, I mean, then I, I, I don't, I, either way, I don't think it's a hot take, but if Durant's out, I think the bucks would go into the finals as the favorites, like Vegas odds favorites. Yeah, as they should. Yeah. The, by the way, you mentioned the Kawhi, uh, or sorry, the Giannis on Kawhi play. Yeah. The sequence that stuck out to me was the you know at the very beginning of the game, 
So Giannis goes up for this layup. It hits off the glass, and he just catches it and jams it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. On the next possession, that's a Toronto possession, I don't even remember who the who the player was that he blocked. Was it Mark? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Was he just came in out of nowhere and had like a huge squat. Yeah. I think that sequence just set the tone for the game. If I he agree. doesn't do those two things, I think this would have been a lot closer. He just ate their souls yeah. within the first 60 seconds. Well, and speaking of Mark and setting the tone of the game, Mark Gasol afterward comes out and says, basically, I played awful. Uh, you know, I think he went 0-3 very early on in the game, and he said he set the tone negatively for his teammates. Mm-hmm. He's been struggling in this series. I mean, he's 3 of 20 from the field. 2 of 9 from 3. Uh, he, I mean, he has 8 points in 59 minutes. They need more from him. But I, do you think... At this point, I'm wondering whether this is a Serge Ibaka series rather than a Marcus All series. It has to be. Look, Mark hasn't just struggled this series. Marcus All for the playoffs this year is averaging 7.9 points a game. Yeah. 7.9 points per game. And that's while playing almost 31 minutes a night. He's He's been bad all the way through. Mm-hmm. He's not provided that lift. You know, when he was acquired by Toronto, you and I were you, we were just slobbering all over this idea of and you know putting Marcus All into this system. I'm I'm going to say something right now. I would much rather have Jordan, this oh, current no. version of Jonas Valanciunas no, on the no, court no, 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 compared no. to compared to the 14 games Marcus All's had in these playoffs. Remind you, not no. necessarily what he's provided for you know during the regular season or moving forward. But looking over these past 14 games, yeah, I'd rather have Jonas. They don't get past the Sixers without Marcus Gasol. Because There's of what? No... The defense? Yeah. Gasol is right. one of the, the few guys who really frustrates Embiid on that end of the court. Embiid would have destroyed Jonas Valanciunas. There's no way. Joe Embiid was sick anyway. Yeah, for a couple of games. Yeah. And they, lo- they lost all the you games know. he was sick. But or, uh, Yeah, they lost all the games he was sick. But... No, they won. They won the second game when he had the gastroenteritis. But no, there. I I hear you in that they need more from him offensively. There's no question about that. I think he's looked tentative at times and hesitant. He's. I just think it goes. It, he and Tobias Harris are very similar in that regard. In that they're big trade deadline acquisitions, and it's not just like Nico is just like a plug and play guy. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna. You're not expected to be a high-usage, hunt-for-your-own type of shot guy. It's just like, you spot up, you catch and shoot, that's it. You rebound, you draw charges, that's it. We don't need anything else from you. Gasol is acting as, A, the defensive fulcrum, but B, they're using him at least somewhat as a passing hub, too, on offense. And then you're also asking him, all right, spot up, actually take threes if you catch a wide-open shot. And he's looked hesitant to do that because he'll be open behind the line, and then he is hunting for a better shot. but And that's a problem. He needs to right. pull the trigger. Right, yeah. The Raptors need him. They just need to not overthink. And I think they've been doing that, even dating back to the Philly series. I mean, they've, they, they've just been missing a ton of open shots throughout all of the Philly series and this, the first two games of this series as well. And Nick Nurse afterward came out and said that. He's like, look, we had 
a ton of open shots. And if we hit some of those, it at least stems the momentum a little bit. I don't know. You know, it's hard to say that changes the outlook of a 22-point game that wasn't, you know, that was about as close as the score would indicate. I don't know that that makes the difference and evens the series of one game apiece, but I, I just think they're overthinking a lot offensively. And, again, you, you get a great Kyle Lowry game in game one. Kyle Lowry was 4 of 13 in game two. You just can't count on that type of – he was 7 of 9 from 3 in game one. That's not going to happen again. But I just Kawhi, want this argument because you can never, never criticize Jonas Allen Jonas for thinking too much. Yeah, but de- defensively, he was going to get smoked. <laughs> I, was, I was kidding. Yeah. It, it just means he's ready to pull the trigger regardless. Yeah, I get it. Well, right. no, I mean, offensively, I, I, I'm with you, but defensively, what would he do against Brooke Lopez? He'd be fish out of water. You know, like Mark has been over the first two games, at least. Yeah, yeah well, at least yeah. Mark was good against Embiid. Yeah. All right, I'll give you the MB thing, but this series, and even, no, didn't just generally the playoffs, you need a scoring punch. You know coming into the playoffs that Kyle Lowry's playoff reputation has been not great. Yeah. So you need something else. Like, obviously, Pascal Siakam, you expect some level of scoring from him, but he's been slightly off here, and he's been inconsistent, which is yeah. fair. Like, it's his third season. Danny Green is getting older. He's also not as consistent as he used to be. It's like, so who's that guy that you also need to, you know, get the ball to? Ibaka, you could argue, but he himself has a career of being inconsistent. He like he's been on a wave throughout his the course of his career about going up and down in, in offensive production. Mark was supposed to be this key guy, this cemented, established star that could come in and just you know, finagle anything he wanted to, and he hasn't. Yeah. That's not saying he's bad. It's just saying that right now he's a liability offensively. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the issue with Siakam is he's been faced – he was great in game one against the Sixers, and then they put Embiid on him, and now the Bucks are guarding him with Giannis. Like, he's mm-hmm. facing defensive player of the year caliber players, and that's I, – I, I think it's a smart strategy from these teams where – you, you know, look, you can't have Kawhi and Pascal beat us. We can't stop Kawhi. There, there's just nothing you can do. We can make life difficult on him. We can send double teams at him. We can force him left. But he's going to get his. Siakam, we can shut down. Yeah. Because he is not yeah. going to hunt for his own shots if we put these guys on him. And then you're asking, fine, Kawhi gets 30. But then you're asking, as you said, these inconsistent guys... You, you need at least probably two of Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, Ibaka, Gasol, any of those guys to go off, and it's just not happening. And I mean, Danny Green's been streaky forever. Even Spurs fans got annoyed with him at times because right, right, like, he is the prototypical, in theory, 3 and D wing, but his three-point shot goes cold, and then you get frustrated with him because he doesn't provide much else. He's gotten better at creating off the dribble, but you don't see that as much in Toronto as you did even in his final season in San Antonio. So, yeah, I mean, I think, and look, the Bucks deserve credit here too. Their defense has been spectacular. Mm-hmm. I think Malcolm Brogdon in particular, for a guy who is, hasn't played in two months, basically, you know, this was his, game two was his third game back. He's put some nice minutes against Kawhi in particular, um, which I know in a regular season even, his matchup stats against Kawhi were surprisingly good, 
defensively, but just having the luxury of being able to rotate not just Giannis and Middleton on him, but also Brogdon is just, again, making things a little bit tougher on Kawhi. You just don't yep. know who's going to guard you possession from possession, who's going to send double teams at you. I think the Bucks have just done a great job defensively in this series. And then game one, they missed a ton of open shots. Like that, had they cashed at even a normal rate, that game wasn't as close as it looked. Game two, the floodgates opened. Mm-hmm. And now, if I'm Nick Nurse, I feel, if I'm Nick Nurse, I feel a little better than I do if I'm Ter- Terry Stotts, but not that much. I don't think there's a simple adjustment to make in this series where, oh, all of a sudden, like, we're going to cure our matchup issues. I Do you think he should start Ibaka ahead of Gasol, though? Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. You need the fl- added flexibility. Yeah. Right now, it's not working with a, sorry, but a big lumpering guy. Right. That's not, that, that's not how you match these bucks who are long but agile. Like, yeah. the agility is just murdering Gasol right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Because I, I, I understand the idea is, in theory, Giannis isn't going to pull from deep very often. You want Gasol in there to just make life tough on him in the middle. But if Brooke Lopez... I know, Like, Lopez, you know, he had, what, 29, I want to say, in game one? Game two, he only had right. six points, one of seven shooting, zero of four from deep, and they win by 22. Because you know we're you're talking we're talking about their supporting cast here, off the bench for the Bucks, Brogdon has fourteen, George Hill has thirteen, Ersan Ilyasova has seventeen, Norm Powell for the Raptors had fourteen, Ibaka had eight, Fred VanVleet had five, Jody Meeks had five. You're just not getting that much, and this is a problem that again has dated back to the Sixers series where you thought going in, oh well that's one of the big advantages the the Raptors have is. The Sixers bench sucks. They have two guys mm-hmm. they can rely on. And the Sixers bench was more reliable than the Raptors bench for much of that series. So that has trickled over. And the Bucks, they're one of the few teams where, you know, it, the whole talk of the playoffs is, well, depth doesn't matter as much. Rotation's shortened as long as you've got six or seven guys you can rely on. The Bucks are like, nah, we're going to go eight or nine deep. And we feel great about it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, why not? They have a tremendous amount of players that they can go to. And look, they're doing what they're doing right now with Eric Bledsoe hitting 27% of a shot and just 9% from three. So this yeah. just goes this just goes further into the point of Milwaukee being able to compensate for when guys are off. They have yeah. so many quality players on that roster that they can survive more so than other teams, you know, players going through cold stretches. This is yep. this is the mark of a great NBA team. Yeah. There is consistently someone to back up the backup. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was Giannis was the only Bucks player in game 2 to play more than 30 minutes. And they won by 22. It's yep. Just, I yep. mean, look, they they they've been they've been declaring who they are all year. If if y'all thought the Bucks were frauds for whatever reason, it's all that debate is over. <laughs> like they're just a really effing good team. They had a historical, you know, like I think it was like the 14th best net rating of all time or something yep. absurd like that. They have the best record in the playoffs. They have the best net rating in the playoffs. They're just this is who they are. They're a very good team. So you know how you a couple minutes ago said you would pick them over the Warriors. That's not a hot take. They're just a great team. 
The Warriors Tell that could to Twitter, beat them. though. Yeah, but like the Warriors could beat them, and that wouldn't be a surprise. Agreed. But the Bucks are probably the best team. I would say this Bucks team is better than the 2016 Cavs team that beat the Warriors. Oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. Look, look. I would take, I would take this Bucks team over any LeBron Cavs team, any. Yeah. Because the depth is not was just not there for the Cavs. Even even with with Kyrie and Kevin Love and all the, like they were top heavy. Mm-hmm. Like who do they have? Like yeah, sure, JR, Kyle Korver, okay, here and there, J.R. Smith who could hold you know ones every fourth game. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, they have the defensive discipline in Milwaukee. Yeah, to punish the hell out of all those teams. So so if I'm saying anything here, what I'm saying is the Bucks will represent the toughest test the Golden State Warriors have ever been up against. This is Golden State's Mount Effing Everest. <laughs> and people yeah. are not talking enough about this. Yeah. This is not right. some some oh, let's who see who the annual victim of the Eastern Conference is. No. no. Screw that. This is a real test. Yeah. Yeah, Daryl Morey's going to have to update his little list of teams records in the playoff against the Warriors if, if yep. the Bucks make it through cuz I uh I think the Rockets are going to have company in the actually gave the Warriors a real test category. Mm-hmm. People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance all right Mort. let's now turn to the draft the draft combine is going on this weekend but we, we haven't caught up on this pod since the lottery tuesday your beloved question mark bulls fell to seven which was obviously not ideal for them there is talk that some team has promised darius garland there is talk that it's either it might be the Suns, maybe it's the Bulls, but he left the combine, I believe, without talking to all teams. And I believe he did not talk to the Cavs at five, which suggests it's probably either the Lakers at four or the Suns at six, some team right around there. Um, what? Let's start with, what do you think the best case scenario for the Bulls is at seven? Best First of all, you're right like about the big-ass question mark. <laughs> yeah, but I should say best realistic, like Zion is not falling to seven. John Morant's not falling seven. RJ Barrett's not falling seven. So, like, who would... Yeah, what what do you think is, like, realistically, what's the best you can hope for for the Bulls fans who are still out there? (laughs) So, if you're asking me what's best for Bulls fans, that is that they draft a bust and then (laughs) guard packs his head, you know, ends up on a stick somewhere. Uh, Because, really, that... Look, I mean, I've gone on the record of saying... 
that if if it was up to Bulls fans to either be able to select Sion or get rid of guard packs and you know maybe part of ownership, they should choose that second one instead. Yeah. That's that's how that's how bad it is. But ignoring the whole ownership management angle, you know, Bulls at seven, it's it's a rough spot to be in because after the top five, it this draft drops off. What you basically are hoping for is someone like Jared Culver slipping. Because mm-hmm. there are a couple teams, you know, further up who are hungry for a point guard. And if they go with need instead of BPA, best player available, that might see Jared Culver slip to seven. And he is one of those guys. If he goes seven, that's that's another feather in the cap of the, the pick by the Bulls at seven over the recent years in Lauren yeah. Markin and Wendell Carter Jr. Like, yeah. that would be a fine trio. It's not going to change much overall. I, mm. It's still the Bulls. They'll find a way to muck this up because that's what they do. Uh, but that's probably the best case scenario for them. Uh, Kobe yeah. White would be fine. He's got a he's got he's got a lot to work on. He's not mm-hmm. necessarily a natural point guard. I don't think that's an issue though. Not in today's NBA. Yeah. Like old school positions are really dead in my eyes. I mm-hmm. I mean I was talking about in the Bulls a couple of months ago. With someone on Twitter, I don't remember like who. Sorry, but and it, you know we we started talking about the you know the non-positional lineup. If you drafted Jared Culver, like you could have Zach Levine start as the primary ball handler, yeah, and then you could have Culver, you know, as your quote-unquote unofficial two guard with Otto Porter, uh, Laurie Markin, and Wendell Carter, and like. Yeah, you wouldn't have a traditional point guard, but who cares? Like, you, there would be enough players the ball could go between. There, you would have enough playmakers on the floor as well. Like, I, I what? How, why would that be a problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it necessarily would be. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't think positioning should be something the Bulls will be looking for. But right. you know, John Paxson himself said that because they landed at seven. Now they should maybe look at positions more so than best player available, which was like oh. the worst thing you could have said. Oh. What does that even mean? That means that they're going after a point guard, Brian. Regardless. I know. Yeah. I mean, because they, they very clearly are out on Chris Dunn. Like they've come out and said, we're good at the two, three, four, and a five. So hmm, which position yeah. does that leave? But yeah, I mean, you have to assume that Garland is gone either to the Lakers or the Suns. I mean, I feel like that's the other best-case scenario is somehow he falls to the Bulls, and that's great. You live happily ever after. Um, Is there a guy at seven who you absolutely... (laughs) I mean, you, who I guess you actually want so Garpax gets fired, but is there a guy (laughs) who absolutely, like, do not draft this guy at seven, like Cam Reddish? Yeah, no, can't no, say no to Cam Reddish. Look, I get that he measured out well. I get that there's a lot of appeal about his athleticism and his well, actually he's not that athletic. I don't know why he's got that rep, but his body like he's long, he's agile. I get all that and his shooting stroke is really really sweet, but the thing is he just produced so little in college. And he's also mm-hmm. almost a year older than his fellow teammates, you know, Sion and RJ. I'm just I'm I'm not in on Camp Reddish whatsoever. So obviously he should be the one to go seven. <laughs> I think he's gonna be, which is just so exciting uh, for me. That's fine with me. Just burn it to the ground. I will yeah, say I this: there is one guy that if 
like let's say a team like Atlanta at eight. Mm-hmm. Seku Domboya mm. from France. He's yeah. young. He's a prospect. So, you know, don't expect anything over the first couple of years. This dude would be good in Atlanta because he's got a sweet shooting stroke. He's athletic. He can handle the ball. He can pass. He can rebound. And he can defend. He's not just, just not at NBA level quite yet. But he will be mm-hmm. fairly soon because his development is actually pretty sped up i think he's he's taking major leaps season to season and i think he could be a really wonderful bridge between trey young and john collins question mm-hmm. is do you go with him at eight or do you gamble and go with him in 10 instead and see if you can pick up someone else at eighth that's like atlanta is the team i'm looking for at this draft because they've got some options at eight and ten they can trade up if they want to um, they can go with two guys, which personally I think they should go with that instead because it's not worth trading up in this draft either way. It's, right. It's just not deep enough. So I think you should go with two guys, whoever that is. I th- just hoping one of them should be uh, Dumboya. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, yeah. And I, I, I'm <laughs> going to give a plug now because this is a reminder to everyone that Mort wrote before the lottery, you did yes. this whole NBA draft matchmaker series at the Basketball Writers, where you just paired prospects with teams Team based on need. Yeah, so uh, I believe all four parts of that series are now out. Is that right? That is correct. I just went completely against the wind because usually there's a big no-no in going against team need. But I thought it would be interesting to just explore what players would actually fit teams just in terms of what they needed. Yeah, All you were four. thinking like guard packs. Exactly. I was channeling my inner guard packs. <laughs> and more, since we're on the subject, are you tired of clickbait, ads, pop-up videos, talking head hyperbole, big market bias, and data selling? Are you tired of soap operas, wild speculation, and unnamed sources? Are you tired of padding the stats of CEOs and shareholders while your favorite content creators get paid pennies for their work? At bballwriters.com, they are too. That's why they created the Basketball Writers. At bballwriters.com, they concentrate on just the game and everything they love about it. The NBA, WNBA, EuroLeague, Fantasy Basketball, the Draft, and many more corners of the Hoops universe they're soon to explore. All in one place on a blazingly fast, clean site that lets you choose which writer to directly support while still enjoying all the content from their whole team. Elevate the conversation, elevate the game. They'll see you at bballwriters.com, and don't forget to enter the code THENBAPOD for 10% off your annual, monthly, or daily subscription. That is the ten, the NBA pod for 10% off. You can read Mort's whole matchmaker series there. And we got a bunch of other good stuff coming out about the draft, the conference finals, uh, NBA, WNBA season just started. So lots on that front as well. Um, the other draft question I had for you, Mort, you know, we had TJ on, on Wednesday. We talked a lot about like the very top of the draft, the lottery, uh, Anthony Davis stuff, Mike Conley, John Morant. Right. I think it's it, – uh, let's focus now kind of on the other parts of the lottery just because we didn't really hit on that uh, the other day. Cleveland at five, what do you think they do there? I mean, they have needs everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah. So they just got to go best player available. Um, mm-hmm. if, the, if the Lakers are going to go with Darius Garland, which might be mm-hmm. a thing, 
you know, Jared Culver would be right there for the taking at five. That would yeah. make a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, some would argue that that he wouldn't necessarily fit into that team because he's more of a two guard, and Colin Sexton's more of a two guard. Thing about Culver is he tested out really, really great, greatly. Like he was always listed at six five. He came in almost six seven, six ten wingspan. And he's also one of those non-positional players. Like he can play the two, three, and on occasion, because of that size, a little bit of four. Mm-hmm. You can just uh, yeah. plug and play him. And he's a defensive-oriented guy who's got a lot of offensive potential, at least from inside the arc. He's not a great three-point shooter, but there's nothing really wrong with his release. His feet are just placed a little bit too weirdly. So I think if you get a shooting coach in there, it's probably a year, year and a half project, and then he should be fine. Mm-hmm. Not you know, not saying he'll be like an elite 45% knockdown shooter from outside, but he'll be respectable at the least. Yeah. Um, so I think Culver would be a big, big get for Cleveland if he drops to five. I like that. I like that fit a lot. Um, and the, the other thing is I'm going to group Phoenix, Chicago, and Washington together. And maybe I shouldn't do this with Washington because they may be on the verge of hiring Tim Connolly, which means they will be a well-run organization. But until they do, I feel like all three of those teams, because they fell so much further down the board than their projected slot, I could see them potentially trading those picks for something. Now, Chicago, there's been the rumor that they are sniffing around Lonzo Ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think Joe Cowley of the Chicago Sun-Times is the one who first reported. Yeah, this was like a month ago, where he's like, if they fall anywhere from three to six, basically if they don't get Zion or John Morant, they would at least call the Lakers and see if they have any interest. Would you be in favor of bringing Lonzo and Baltimore? Yeah. Welcome Lonzo Ball and Baltimore. Burn the entire thing down from within. That's fine. <laughs> Good. Yep, that is that is the reaction I expected. Uh, Phoenix, I've seen a, pe- a few Suns people on Twitter seem to be open to the idea of trading six and whatever salary matching you need, probably TJ Warren, whatever, to the Grizzlies for Mike Conley. Hmm. I'm surprised by that. I am too, but but tell you what, while he doesn't fit with the team's age group, mm-hmm. I would like it for something else. I would like that for them because he comes in with that veteran presence and he's a yeah. mentor. Yeah. Because if there's something that team needs, it's a leader. I don't know if they thought Trevor Reza would be that guy. He <laughs> he ain't, man. So, mm. right. um, Conley is. Conley yeah. is one of those guys who comes in and just you know lays out the table perfectly. Like, this is what I want. This what is this what I can do for you? I demand this, this, and that, and and every anything else but that. And I'm going to be disappointed. And I'm going to tell you, I like that approach because I think they gave Devin Booker too much power too soon, and I don't think that's any. I, I don't think I don't put the blame on Devin Booker for that because he came in as a teenager. What the hell did he know, right? Right, right. Here was, was a team that just like, here, it, everything is yours. Here you go. No discipline. Take every shot you want, literally, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that part was great for his development. So getting Mike Conley in who can kind of ease him up a little bit and, and also give him the ball in the right places and go, hey, look, when you're coming off that screen, 
I can hit you right here. I, you know, that's a better shot for you. Yada, yada, yada. You know, just sharing basketball knowledge. I think that could really do wonders for Booker. Yeah. I mean, I agree that he would be a good fit culture wise, but it just, especially because he has the ETO after next year. Oh, yeah. Yep. I would be very hesitant to give up. I guess it really depends on what happens in the draft. This is not a move I would make before I'm on the clock if I'm Phoenix. Because if the Lakers, I mean, for all we know, the Knicks or the Lakers are going to trade their pick for Anthony Davis or for Bradley Beal or something. Like, we don't know which teams are going to be making the picks at three and four. I feel pretty confident that New Orleans, Memphis, and Cleveland are standing pat at one, two, and five, respectively. Um, so I can't predict that like some team isn't going to jump and take Culver or at four, or, uh, Darius Garland at four, or whatever. Mm. If Garland and Culver are off the board, I like DeAndre, DeAndre Hunter a lot, but he strikes me as kind of a nice complimentary role player rather than uh, necessarily a guy with like star upside. And for Phoenix, you already have so many wings that I just don't know if you need to add more to that logjam. Like you've already got enough to deal with and like it's already hard enough to find minutes for all of those guys adding deandre hunter to the mix isn't going to help so maybe then i would consider moving it but i don't know i just it, it would make me nervous if i'm phoenix to give that pick up for a guy in conley maybe he stays for you know maybe he opts in because he thinks he's not going to match that kind of a salary on the market next year and he probably wouldn't at least in terms of mm-hmm. annual value. But Conley's also come out and said he doesn't want to be on a rebuilding team anymore. So I feel like if he goes to Phoenix, he, oh, yeah. he might just give up the money. Like, I mean, the dude made $150 million or he's going to at the end of this deal. I, I could see him opting out and then just leaving to go to a much more competitive team, take less money because... He doesn't want to go through another youth movement. so Boston, after they lose Kyrie. <laughs> right, right, right. So, <laughs> I don't know. That's Conley probably isn't the guy who I would target if I'm Phoenix. I, I understand the approach, though. I could at least see shopping that pick in the right circumstance. I just wouldn't do that before draft night, before I'm on the clock. Because I think Garland actually would be a nice fit for them if he does fall that far. Well, Garland is primarily an offensive player, it should be noted. By the way, I, I have it the other way around. I don't think Phoenix should trade their pick for a veteran. I think you should trade one of their veterans for a pick. Yeah. And and here's one of my crazy-ass ideas. How would a deal centered around the number one pick and Devin Booker sound like? Like Devin Booker for Zion? A package surrounding those two components, yeah. Yeah, I saw someone. Was it? It might have been Kevin Pelton or some. I saw someone make the case. Might have been Michael oh. Pena. Really? And here I thought I had an original thought. Okay. No. <laughs> someone made the case that Phoenix should be a dark a dark horse in the. Uh, I think they were saying for the Anthony Davis. Oh yeah, yeah. They, oh yeah, one. that one I saw. Like they yeah. should be. No, no. I'm I'm thinking about look if let's oh, agree. No, I, to, I don't think New Orleans gives up Zion for anything. Well, just, what if it absolutely means that AD is staying put and you get a you know all-star caliber player back with, you know, in Devin Booker's case, has a ton of potential left in the tank. Yeah, the team control thing. I think eight years of 
at least eight years of team control on Zion. You know, that there's that. You can't complain about the team control on Booker either, though. Like, his contract is. It's only four more years, right? Or five more? Five, I think. Four more. Because this was the. I want to say this was the first year of his extension. No, no, no. That kicks in next year. So he's actually a poison pill. So they've got an additional five years of team control with Devin Booker. Yeah, that's not nine years. And I get paying, that. You're paying up right away. He hasn't won anything. He hasn't shown that he can be. No, I look, I hear you. But what if ultimately that what you end up giving up because you're giving up Scion for crying out loud, you and you have to match salaries to some extent. Yeah. I know that Dip Booker is poison pill, but like if you can give up like Solomon Hill and Etwan Moore in that in that deal yeah. and then you run out of court, that's Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, Devin Booker. That's at least something that will consider you know, that will make AD consider to stay put permanently. That's a pretty good trio. I don't know if that does enough to make AD stay. I feel like that ship has just sailed at this point. If, if that if that is the case, then I agree with you. They shouldn't trade Zion whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, if there's a player out there where you're not going all in on, you know, an established guy who's got like four years left of his prime. <laughs> like yeah, then Devin yeah. Booker might be that guy. He's accomplished, but he's still what, 22? 22? Yeah, 22 or 23? Yeah, 22 still. 23 in October. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's super young. I'm, I'm very high on him. It's just having Zion four years of a rookie deal versus Booker his extension kicking in right away. I think in terms of asset value, Zion is higher than Booker. No, 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 no for sure. That's why I said a package. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously. Um, but I, the, the thing that bothers me a little bit here is obviously, you know, we don't know where AD stands. Right. Like, uh, if, if he doesn't care one way or the other, if he's just like out, men- like you said, mentally out and it just he's not into New Orleans anymore totally agree it should be cyan and nothing else mm-hmm. however if there's a deal out there to be made that convinces ad to stay put where you don't sacrifice the long term by as i said getting someone who's closer to you know end of prime years mm-hmm. booker would definitely make sense the thing is and that's another thing we talked to Ricky o'donnell a month or so ago mm-hmm. and remember what he said he said that Sion might not necessarily have the longest NBA career. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, and I, I know that you don't, you know, we can't know that for sure. But the logic is there. Like, he is a heavy body. And mm-hmm. he probably will always be somewhat heavy. That's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on those knees. So, the nine years of team control, which I totally get. But that could be be negated a little bit if he starts physically declining after year five or six. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. I mean, I do think we've gone collectively as NBA fans in general, we've gone a little overboard on the Zion hype. Like, let's see the guy play an NBA game before we declare him like the best asset in the NBA. I would still take Luka Doncic over him, I think. Yes, I would too. Um, That's that. I, I mean, I just... I, you would, I, I think you have a much better chance if you're calling David Griffin getting him to listen on ad trade packages than zion like i i just think 
I don't know. I, I don't even. I, I wonder if the fan base is just so out on AD that even if he did an about face and was like, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm willing to resign here. I don't know. I, it makes me wonder if they'd rather just have a clean start with Zion plus whatever they can get with it from AD and then Drew as the veteran mentor right. or whatever. Yeah, and if if that's the case, obviously I'm all in on that because they just the fact that they won the lottery it provides yeah. them with so much breathing room. And yeah. here's the thing, um, there's you know you, you just mentioned Drew Holiday, he's been linked to the Bulls as well. Mm-hmm. Like the Bulls are pretty in love with Drew Holiday as well. So if <laughs> the Pelicans decide to go the route of Sion and kind of rebuild. Maybe they're looking to get rid, or not get rid, but move Holiday for additional right. younger assets. Mm-hmm. Well, then you have the seventh pick right there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. something else. Yeah. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, all right, let's do a few quick updates on things that are happening around the league. You already mentioned Tyreek Evans earlier briefly, so I don't think we have anything really to say aside from we hope he gets the help he needs. He was suspended Friday from the NBA for a violation uh, of their drug program, and it's not... It's definitely not marijuana or performance-enhancing drugs. That We don't know what it was, but it's something serious. He can apply for reinstatement in two years. Yeah, I would be surprised if he ever plays in the NBA again. Uh, well, I, mean, I, I, I I won't. Chris Anderson made the return. Yeah. It is possible. And and as we were uh, reading on Twitter, apparently when you get you get banned by the NBA, you automatic automatically uh, will enter an NBA run rehab protocol. Um, yep. Which yep. is pretty awesome, by the way. Which yeah. You, I mean, that's that's credit, you know, kudos to the NBA for actually having something like that lined up. That's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe, ultimately, this might be a blessing in disguise. I mean, if only, if nothing else, hopefully it's a blessing in disguise in that, like, he gets his life back on track. Yeah, that's what, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, the only reason I say I would be surprised if he comes back is because OJ Mayo was in a similar situation a couple of years ago and you know he got suspended uh during the 2016 off season and we have not seen him since yeah that's true and i believe he was a little bit younger than tyreek when he got suspended so at this point his bas- tyreek's basketball career should is an afterthought it's just let's hope i mean this sucks hopefully yep. he's you know hopefully he's got a good support community around him and it's it's you know, I'm sure the NBA will do everything they can, but 
a personal choice. So hopefully he realized, hopefully this is the wake up call he needs. Um, the other, or a couple other storylines that came out this week. One, the Cleveland Cavaliers have a new head coach. It is John Bayline, who used to coach the Michigan Wolverines. Boyd, I'm not going to pretend like I know how this is going to end, but do you have any sizzling takes on the Cavs' new head coach? All I know is that he's 66 years old. Mm-hmm. That is literally everything, because that's what I managed to Google right before this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to play expert on this one whatsoever. I have no idea. Yeah. And honestly, it's like we've seen the wide range of college coach success in the NBA. Some come from college and are like Brad Stevens, and they're great. And some come from college and are like Fred Hoiberg, and they get run out of the league in a couple of years. They, it's just, I don't know. He's He's been well-respected in college, it seems like, for a while. I hope it goes well for him. He At least he's got a long contract because he knows um, – it's going to be a difficult rebuild for them. We'll see what happens, but I'm not going to pretend like we know how this is going to go. The I mean, other one that did come out... Says, hang on, he got a five-year, uh, right? Yeah, I believe so. So he's going to be 71 when that's up. Yep. My God, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, the other piece of news that broke, I believe, yesterday was that the Lakers will not be hiring a president of basketball operations to replace Magic Johnson. Rob mm-hmm. Polinka will carry on in his current role as general manager and will report directly to Jeannie Buss, but no no Magic replacement. <laughs> Come on, say it. Just say it. We're both thinking it. Come on. Come on. I'll give it to you. Please. Please do. Jason Kidd is getting such a raging boner right now <laughs> yep i really anthony Irwin dropped kittle finger on us the other day <laughs> i heard um, that was great <laughs> i really i think that's all the only thing we're gonna refer to him as now on because yep. all all the dominoes are lining up for president slash coach kittle finger as the lakers and uh I just is there like a Vegas line I can bet on like when he overthrows the whole franchise? No, but like, we, we should get on the phone with Vegas and make sure that's that's set up. Yeah, like Yo Caesars, give me over under. I want like February twenty twenty one. I think is the safe bet because that's halfway through Vogel his mm-hmm. contract, right at the trade deadline. Right, that will be the third year of LeBron's contract, so he could opt out that summer. So you know if they suck again this year or they don't... I feel like if they don't make the conference finals, he's going to start agitating about, you know, I'm not going to help with free agents. I'm not going to help with anything. You just And do he's 36 at the time. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's going to... They're going to be a mess. I'm mm-hmm. really excited. But, by the way, when when the picks were announced, you know, for, uh, for the draft lottery... Uh-huh. I, I, I just noticed something funny. So from three to seven, it's the Knicks, Lakers, Cavs, Suns, and Bulls. Yeah. So the most incompetent franchises in the NBA <laughs> were grouped together. I found that hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. That, pretty befitting of where all five of those organizations are right now. Yeah. Well, except for the Lakers, you know, coming up seven spots. That, right, that was, of course. That was well, horrible. It, it wouldn't be a lottery if the Lakers didn't get lucky in some regard. Yeah, that's true. Let's see how they muck it up. 
Right. The one they didn't is the one where the Sixers had their pick. It's great. Um, and then the only other thing that we need to hit on quickly is the NBA announced uh, the finalists for all of their 2018-19 awards. Your favorite, Mort. Um, so MVP finalists yes. are Harden, Giannis, Paul George. I don't think any surprises there. Paul George is probably the only question mark just because of his how he fell off toward the end of the season with the shoulder injury, but those guys were the consensus top three MVP for most of the season. I, I, I'm i going to go out on a limb and say Paul George did not win, but... Mm, of course. Knew. I mean, yeah, but, 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 but we, I, he deserves to be there, Brian, because when you yeah. have to carry Russell Westbrook for a full year... Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> if Harden or Giannis win, that's fine. Go listen to our awards pod from the end of the regular season to hear where we stand Team there. Giannis. Yeah. Uh, defensive player of the year finalists, Giannis, Paul George, Rudy Gobert. I was mildly surprised that Embiid wasn't there, but then I thought about all the time he missed and also the Sixers were right crappy or like mediocre defensively. So not the biggest snub in the world, but I hope it motivates him this summer and he comes back and kills everyone next year. Giannis again. Yeah. Um, the sixth man, Lou Williams, Matras Harrell, and Sabonis from the Pacers are the three finalists there. Uh, rookie of My the year. My boy Sabonis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he will be a nice third place finisher, yeah. I don't care. He should. <laughs> he, he I, I'm really all in good. on the all international. You know that. Yeah. Well, you, you correctly identified him very early in the season as a yes. leading six man candidate, which you deserve credit for. Well, thank you. Um, it's just because nobody saw the Pacers. That was the- right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Rookie of the year: Luca, Trey Young, DeAndre Ayton. I, Obviously. Right. I think we know where that one's going to go. Mike Malone, Mike Budenholzer, Doc Rivers for Coach of the Year. Not even bringing that up as a discussion. It's just <laughs> what a complete and utter fail to not put put Pub on that list. Oh no! All three. I mean, it's just the narrative. You know it's always the narrative. I don't care. Look at that San Antonio roster. I know, I know. But look at look at the Clippers roster after the Tobias trade. I don't look at the San Antonio Spurs roster for the whole damn year. They had two All Stars or I don't former care. All Stars. Yeah, former All Stars. One All Star, one former. Yeah, the Clippers Still. had Daniel and then Gallinari and then they had the virtually nothing else. That that's better than the Clippers. Who had Tobias Harris and Boban, who's for comedic purposes. (laughs) No, but they had Tobias for a long while. They had one of the best young rookies. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's a testament to Doc Rivers that he was willing to rely on a rookie. That never happens. He should be a coach of the year just for that. I'm saying that Pop's name should be on the list. That's all I'm saying. I think I had him, because I did the coach of the year thing for the B-Ball writers uh, I had him fourth or fifth, I want to say, but he was also outside my top three. I think those were my top Blasphemy. three. Blasphemy. 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 But if I have, I mean, with those three, I'm going to go bud. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I mean, if you had any question about Mike Boonholzer's candidacy, the playoffs ended it. He's, mm-hmm. he's the clear coach of the year, I think. Um, and then most improved, Pascal Siakam, D'Angelo Russell, De'Aaron Fox. Congratulations, Pascal. You yeah. have been mediocre in the playoffs, but you were great in the regular season, and can, I'm terrified can, of you. 
we really need to talk about the whole, hey, let's put a former second overall pick on the list of most improved players. Like, stop. And a top five pick in, in De'Aaron Fox. Right. And what were you ex- second year jump. Right. Like, what were you expecting to happen here? Like, obviously, that's the whole point of being drafted high. It comes with a certain expectation, level of expectations in terms of progression and development. Like, this is this is dumb. But didn't Oladipo win it last year? Was it? Yeah, well, maybe last year. Yeah, yeah. I and he's a former number with two overall. I, I have I have less. Was, was he? Was he? Was he not fifth? No, was he, he was second? number two. He was number two in twenty thirteen. Oh, I thought he was fifth. Okay. Mm-mm. Even I mean, even still, that's De'Aaron Fox. But no, he was not. It was. I believe that was the year where it was Bennett first. Depot second, oh, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. three, right. Cody Zeller, yeah. Alex Len, Nerlens Noel. Good That Lord. is true. Yep. That's the year where Giannis went 15th. And let's read out Bennett, Depot, Porter, Zeller, Alex Len, Nerlens, Ben McElmore, Catavius Caldwell-Pope, Trey Burke, CJ McCollum, which is the first good player I mentioned aside from Otto, uh, and Oladipo, of course. Michael Carter-Williams, Stephen Adams, Kelly Olenek, Shabazz Muhammad. One pick before Giannis. And number 27. Gotta give credit, though. Rudy Gobert, yeah. Mm -hmm. What a crime scene of a draft. Yes. Yes. It certainly was. Wow. Good. Good, And we'll get get another version of this draft next month. (laughs) Yeah, this year, right. Yeah. well, yeah, I, I mean, D'Angelo I have less of a beef with being on that list than De'Aaron Fox, just because, like, D'Angelo was a similar case to Depot, where you thought, all right, this is just who he is. He's like a 15, 16 point per game, medium efficiency scorer. And then this year, look, I know there are still concerns about his game. I wouldn't want to be the team that gives him the max contract that he's probably going to get this summer. But he very clearly did improved substantially oh for sure made his first all-star appearance i have i have no problem with him being on the list i would have a problem if anyone but pascal siakam wins most of yes. the players this year yep yeah oh yeah for sure this is this is siakam so what's the international score here uh where Giannis at least in two Sabonis is in one Doncic. Yeah, you got an international guy in every every player award. Yeah, and Masai, you got to figure he's going to win Executive of the Year too. We're taking over. Yeah, <laughs> it's happening surely but slowly, Brian. Don't tell Trump he's going to do make the NBA great again. As his <laughs> oh <next> no! Year. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> Uh, we will wrap up there. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please check us out on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find all of our episodes there. You can also find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download these from Five Star Reviews, and we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Mort, enjoy the games in the next couple of days, and once I see John Wick 3, we can have a John Wick 3 review in the next Thank episode you. as well. I, I'm looking forward to that because I saw it today. And all, I, 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 this is not destroying the movie by saying Boban did great. I, they had the clip of him on the jump, and I showed it to my wife last night because she, she is completely out 
on John Wick just because I'm so good <gasps> on it. I know. No. I know. No. So I'm trying real hard to talk her into going tonight. We'll see if it happens. Oh, come on, Alex. Come on. I know. Yeah. I know. All right. Catch you later, man. Later. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clothes. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.